Hey everybody, I am excited to have Ken here at the Product Fed Podcast. He had a really awesome talk for the Product Fed Summit and I was like, hey, why not invite him to, to chat with us about all the things that he's working on. How's it going, Ken? How are things with you? Doing great. I'm doing great, thanks. Friday, NBA season started yesterday. Couldn't be happier. Yeah, and we were just... Uh, I'm based out of Toronto and people don't see this because this is a podcast, but I'm wearing my Toronto Raptors hat and you're just like poking fun at me that you prefer you prefer Warriors. Well, I guess. I mean, not really poking fun. You are the rain. Uh, so enjoy it, you know, while it lasts. Yeah. So I had to ask, you know, basketball is back. I'm curious who your pick is for this year's NBA championship or whatever is left of it. Yeah. You know, I don't think that there's been as I mean, obviously never been as crazy of a year. And I don't think that there has been ever so many variables, you know, injuries always happen, but now it's coronavirus. People already dropping out. I'm going to say the bucks on the back of Giannis, oh, but interesting. yeah, I mean, I just think he, it's like, he came so close last year. He's kind of got the team and LeBron is tough, but yeah, I just like Giannis so much. Hmm. Interesting. Did you check out the Lakers and the Clippers game yesterday? Saw the highlights. Oh, uh, they were both great games. Yeah, I know it was very tight. Yeah, yeah, two points, both games. Yeah, fascinating that your uh, Bucks. Okay, yeah, they are like on their win to uh, loss ratio is crazy. They've won a lot of games. The Bucks, right? Yeah, I think they're starting even at first place. But really, it doesn't even matter. Everybody's, <laughs> you know, eight games for the regular season. And I think it's just a whole new ball game. It's probably a lot of rust. Hmm. So yeah, so many hmm. variables, but I'll go with Giannis and the Bucks. Okay, we will find out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I just wanted to warm up the conversation before we talk about uh, product marketing and, and product led growth. Before we get started, can you share a little bit about your story? You know, you're building Retainable and I saw you just, you're about to launch a new product for Shopify. How did you get started with with building products like, you know, Retainable and your journey? Yeah, sure. So Retainable, I started in March of 2019. Uh, basically, uh, after leaving Jungle Scout, I was at Jungle Scout, which is an Amazon product research tool, helps people launch and grow businesses on Amazon. Mm. And I was there for about three and a half years early to the team and leading the marketing, basically taking it from Greg Mercer, who was a founder and CEO and growing it. And it was an amazing time for being an Amazon seller and also providing the tools that Amazon sellers needed, most importantly of which is finding the right product. So that's really what Jungle Scout did was help people validate with numbers where there were opportunities mm. And so, yeah, I led the marketing team there and left in March of 2019. I thought that there was a real opportunity with helping other B2B SaaS companies address churn. Mm. So, you know, for most SaaS companies, there is churn that's a problem. And for Jungle Scout, it was a challenge just because there was a lot of influx because it was at the very, very early stages of helping people. So, you know, whether they, ended up finding a product or didn't continue, there was churn at the end of the road uh, because, you know, similar to a dating app, you might churn out when you no longer need to find a partner and similar with finding a product. So churn was always the benchmark that I needed to be aware of, you know, being a, the responsible team for awareness and acquisition. Mm. 
And I thought that there was one key point that was a challenge. And we started to kind of fill in the gaps. And that was understanding who would be churning and when and why. And speaking with other marketers, and I kind of got the thought that it was a challenge to preemptively understand who would be churning. Mm. And so that was my goal with Retainable was just to help B2B SaaS companies reduce churn. And what I realized is that it is a broad <laughs> problem you know, to address. And frankly, it's kind of like a team-wide, company-wide problem. It might sit on customer success for some yeah. or marketing or product. And so every company is different and their approach in solving it is different. And so I kind of narrowed down to, to focus on onboarding and kind of like the customer experience, the customer lifecycle with Retainable. Mm-hmm. And uh, most recently actually have started to work with some of the developers, two developers who are also early at Jungle Scout to build an e-commerce tool for Shopify sellers, uh, a product recommendation quiz builder for Shopify sellers. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited about that. And it looks like you're great at like really building products and like growing the following and the customer there. Like you said earlier, you're the founding team and first marketing hire at Jungle Scout. And I know for a lot of product-led growth startups, can't really like apply the product-led tactics until you have like a sizable, you can bring people onto your site and try it out. So I want to dig deep into that. What's your approach to marketing for startups, especially very early on from day zero? Yeah. So I wasn't there at day zero at Jungle Mm. Scout. I'm pretty much at day zero right Mm. now with Prehook. And so we are pre-launch and pre-revenue. So, you know, I'm, I'm right there in the thick of it. And I think, you know, I've heard it before, you know, Paul Graham is famous for saying, you know, do things that don't scale. And that's really been my approach now is, all right, I know exactly who my target customer is and, and what they're looking for. And, you know, for example, anybody who's looking for Shopify or building kind of around a platform, it's relatively easy these days to figure out what those technologies are. You could use built with, I use built with, it's a free Chrome extension. And site, you can see what their tech stack is. So that's like the first criteria. And then just kind of like, all right, that's the universe is those sites that are building on one tech or, you know, for the products, there might be other to segment and really just inch and building some rapport on an individual basis. And I think that's where maybe not as uh, scalable as you mm-hmm. might hope. And and that's certainly how I feel. But yeah, just individual outreach and trying to add value and create something where it's no longer just a pitch Mm. like, hey, do you want to try this product or buy this product? But like, here's my approach and here's maybe some thoughts on how it might help you, you being, you know, an e-commerce DTC entrepreneur, founder, marketer, and then building a conversation from there. Mm. That's fascinating. That makes sense. Like you use Builtwood. I've used Builtwood before. So you, you find people who are using Shopify. How, how do you sort stuff on Builtwood? Are you looking at the biggest stores first or like how do you prioritize who to reach out first? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm actually starting with smaller sites mm, first just sense. because, you know, we're starting with a product that is not where we want it to be, you know, like 
down the road, it's definitely going to be a version one MVP. Basically, you know, it's going to be the quiz builder, but not have the product recommendation elements. So I don't necessarily want to overshoot and overpromise. So aiming to solve some of the problems for the smaller sites, you know, so that challenge is just to get leads and to get more data of, you know, what that shopper is looking for, what their preferences are, and then what their email address is. And so that's an initial value proposition. And how we'd find the built with you can the paid account i think it's relatively expensive mm. just using the free chrome extension also complement that with link navigator and sales navigator mm. in the action can actually segment based on the technologies used so i i built the initial list based on those companies that are using shopify and those companies that have 1 to 10 employees and then further segment based on who is in marketing or who is a CEO founder. And so in my mind, those are the people that would be receptive to an initial conversation and would be understanding of the problem that I'm trying to solve Mm. and open to my solution. Mm, That makes sense. I know you touched upon it a little bit already about like, you know, I'm guessing you're you're sending cold emails, right? Are you sending cold emails or more like LinkedIn? Well, so it's actually through LinkedIn. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. So that they can check out your profile first to make sure you're legit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've been doing this basically since uh, I started Retainable as well. Mm. And I think LinkedIn has definitely become littered with a lot of like pitching immediately and a little bit spammy. So it's Mm. not as effective perhaps as it was a year ago or definitely not two or three years ago. But I think if you're reaching out to one or two connections away or second or third degree connections, there's maybe like some familiarity. And then I also think it's just about how that initial cold outreach email goes. And so I don't just do like, hey, saw you on LinkedIn, let's connect. But I actually do take the time to find something and some reason for them to reply and at least accept my connection request. Can you give an example? I'm really curious because I do get a lot of those pictures and they're bad. There's a lot of, a lot of like... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So like you're, it must be working for you. Like you must have figured out something. Like, Can you give an example of one that you've sent out recently or like, you know, just that will work really well? Yeah, sure. So I don't have any paying customers for pre-hook. However, I have built up a fair amount of connections for uh, in, in the e-commerce space. And I think one strategy, and this is kind of the main go-to-market strategy that I have with pre-hook, which is basically launching a podcast. And I think you uh, far better than I do that a podcast provides value yeah. from the outset that you can maybe give a platform to somebody to connect. And then also it just connotes thought leadership and that you have a something to say, an opinion, and then maybe an audience. And so that's been one way that I think is helpful. And I've seen other companies do it and do it to certain levels early at it, you know, maybe a month in and have six published episodes or so. But I think it allowed me to connect with people, just have an actual conversation. conversation. And it's almost, you know, consider it like customer development and there's no pitch <laughs> going on. But at least it's, you know, like, okay, I, you know, we can have a conversation. Yeah. Necessarily trying to sell my product or even get a demo in front of you, but just build a report. And it's mm. been a real blast. I've had a lot of fun connecting. And in fact, you know, that's how we connected as well. 
And yeah. you know, I can see it's a long-term strategy. It's not going to necessarily turn in, into like a lot of customers quickly, but I think it actually compounds as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've been reflecting on that year the, the, how you can use podcasts for generating demand or generating building customers or customer development. And you're the first founder I've talked to that actually explicitly said said it like the way I I was thinking about it. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to hear a little bit about how you've parlayed this and also the product-led institute and working with Wes and the content that you put out, right. like how you're going about it. Yeah. I think you're, you said something there that really struck with me and it, it's been through that it, the podcast and relationship compounds because, you know, it's that initial recording becomes a long-term relationship essentially. Like I become friends with podcast guests and they referred me to jobs essentially for consulting gigs and they referred me to things because we're friends essentially. So I think that's one thing that I've learned really with podcasts, with, with Wes and this Gold Market Today and Product Club podcast. It's just one thing I measure the success of it is like how well did I build a relationship with my guests? Because I know if we click, then we're going to help each other. There's one way I'm going to help, you know, I'm going to help you and then they're going to help me and not as a quid pro quo, but more because we like we like each other. We're friends. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it just said it is a, a relatively small world, right? And mm. so, you know, like we we bumped into each other. I guess, you know, you you did a presentation for the product-led summit and mm. and I did as well. And so I think like these small things, and especially, you know, after leaving Jungle Scout, I didn't do a good job up until that point of creating content myself. A lot yeah. of it was under the brand of Jungle Scout and I didn't build a social media following and I didn't build an email list. And these are all things a little bit that are regrettable or that I might do differently if mm. to start over again. But I'm at square one now. And so, yeah, just putting out small things or, or making those small connections and then you know it snowballs into where you're getting referrals from your podcast guests. Mm. So that's, that's the strategy and that's... What I really just enjoy as well about the early yeah. stage of the process is a lot of learning and meeting new people. That totally makes sense. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. I'm curious, you know, we were talking about stuff that's working. I want to talk about stuff that doesn't work for early stage startup marketing. What are some of those things that maybe you tried or you see, you've seen other people try that it doesn't work for early stage startup marketing? Yeah. I mean, I'll speak for for myself. I think where I'm still also getting distracted and frustrated with myself is not hitting the same output that I would want or that I'd expect of a marketing team. And frankly, it's just me doing the marketing and sales. And then my two partners are working on the product you know, from a development perspective. And I think what's not working or where I could benefit and improve is by honing in the focus more. Mm. And so again, that's where the podcast is helpful because the thought is, all right, you create one piece of content and let's just say it's a, a one hour recording every week. And then from there, that one piece just gets repurposed into mm, a blog yeah. post, into LinkedIn, like multiple, I mean, you could chop that up yeah. into multiple video and text LinkedIn yeah. posts. Yeah. And I've seen that you do this with your onboarding teardowns. And so, you know, part of it gets, goes to YouTube and maybe a five minute clip or two. And so it all comes from this one podcast. And I think where I get distracted and what's not working for me is 
still trying to, you know, create a little bit here and a little bit there. And then the effort just gets mm. diluted. The impact gets diluted and it's not as focused both in, you know, my effort and what the outcomes, the benefit of that effort is. Mm. I really like that. I think that's true with the podcast and something that I've heard from other people is that you want to create like cornerstone content that you can reuse and repurpose for anything. And that's exactly what podcast does, right? You can pull out a quote and tweet that, or you can cut it up into a video, like you said, and then post it up on LinkedIn. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And then, you know, what What also doesn't work for me is just getting over this, you know, whether, whether you call it self-doubt or imposter syndrome mm. or just not having enough focus. But I think I spend time on the content creation and then actually fall short on the promotion and distribution part of it. Yeah. And, you know, like you, you come across all these best practices, definitely one where, you know, you might see a ratio of 25% content creation and 75% promotion or, or something far more skewed towards promotion than what I'm doing. And mm. it's of course, absolutely true. Like if you build it, they won't come. If you write it, they won't necessarily come. It's really <laughs> important to continue to to put put it out there you know in whatever medium you're focusing on and so i think a focus on promotion over mm. creation in some ways or figuring out the right balance is important yeah i totally agree with that it's something that i had a chance to chat with ross simmons he's like this content uh, agency yeah he he doubles down on content distribution releasing that podcast for Shout out to my other podcast, Goat Marketing Today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally makes sense. I want to talk a little bit, you know, we've been talking about Retainable and, and Prehook. You were also a jungle scout for quite some time leading the marketing team there. I'm curious what's one thing that, or a few things that worked really well there in terms of traffic or leads or, or new customers. Yeah, so Jungle Scout became, I think there were a couple of things that worked out really well. One is the product itself is really great. Two is founder CEO Greg Mercer, I think is like his approach to marketing is really a give first mentality. So mm. you can call it like the, you know, Gary V jab, 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 right hook. Like he's constantly putting things out there and it's both tactical and instructional, but then also inspirational. So he came from the seller background as an Amazon seller that was the genesis of the product. And I think that there are so many questions about how to sell on Amazon and the whole process of finding a product, finding a supplier, importing, marketing on Amazon. I mean, there, there are so many different potential pitfalls. And one thing that worked really well was, it was called the Million Dollar Case Study. It's an extended case study. And so we did it, I think in 2016 or 2015. And... Uh, basically cover every single of launching a product. And so that's something that can be replicated for different products. But I think it was a very transparent exercise. There was a philanthropic element. So all the proceeds from that went towards a a charity, a nonprofit. And so Mm. it was Pencils of Promise, which was awesome. You know, there were two schools, I think, that were built in Ghana from the proceeds of this project. And it was just a lot of high value content, which otherwise people were paying, you know, $5,000 for a course, which wow. had just as much 
content. So I think it's like the epitome of a real give first content marketing mm. approach. And so there's a halo effect of that, you know, around the brand. But then of course there's the nuts and bolts of the marketing benefits. And that's the organic traffic ranking for specific mm. keywords because we were strategic in the content that we were creating. And, you know, again, similar to a pillar piece, it would be a, a live webinar with a video that would be turned into like a blog post yeah. that would ultimately end up organic traffic. It was put together and it would be a great lead magnet for paid traffic. And it, it was just pieced together nicely over a lot of time. It might've been three or four or five months. And there was a lot of work on the back end, but I think mm. it worked really well. And it's one of those evergreen pieces that continues to pay dividends. Mm, that totally makes sense. I, I love that gift first marketing. I'm going to borrow that term one day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and anybody looking to sell on Amazon, I think that the content is still mm. really relevant. And mm. I think Greg is really inspiring and helpful and a great educator in that sense. Mm. Makes sense. I want to go on the other end and, and ask you about things that didn't work during that your tenure there. Like what were some marketing stuff that didn't work as well as your team hoped? Yeah, good question. I think that there was an opportunity to be more, have a higher velocity of testing. And so that's kind of like at a smaller level, maybe testing Facebook and and it should be specific to paid content. So yeah, I think the creativity and the breadth of what went into the paid campaigns, it could have been more broad. I think we kind of like tried to optimize for a subset of camp, there could have been a range of, you know, Mm. like we want to ramp up from the highest return on ad spend campaigns down, but maybe running, diverting more budget towards experimental campaigns, experimental channels and that stuff. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Did you ever run any paid campaigns for retainable or with with pre-hook and I think related to that, would you suggest early stage startups start off with paid campaigns or that's not advisable? Yeah, for retainable and pre-hook, I have not and I did not. Mm. And yeah, I I think it depends. It depends Mm. maybe on risk tolerance and funding. So without raising any funding, Uh, I would like to do it successfully bootstrapped. And so I've set aside, you know, time and funds specific for this and on the same page with the co-founders. So yeah, we're not trying to run paid campaigns, but I think if, you know, if there is money, I don't see that it would be bad, but I would probably, you know, not rely on that as the only channel because I think it might like we've seen this with direct to consumer already where some brands, you know, maybe like five years ago launched specifically with, you know, paid Facebook or Instagram ads Mm. as their main acquisition channel. Cost per acquisition has increased. They become less tenable, especially as the whole market might become more competitive and Mm. and those competitors might have deeper pockets because they're also venture backed. And so maybe, you know, planning for that earlier or from the outset might be a good strategy. But speaking from my own personal experience, yeah, I'm trying to do it bootstrap, trying not to rely on paid channels as the first go-to-market channel. Yeah, that I totally agree with you that 
cost per acquisition, cost per clicks are are going up with with competition. You're right there. Yeah, and also also scares me because like especially early stage, and you might not know your customers as well. Paid can become a crutch in the sense that hey, paid is working. We don't have to talk to our customers. You know that that could happen. We're acquiring thing. There's no effort in actually reaching out to customers and having a conversation like what you're doing with Prehook. You're actually learning people's problems and understanding it. And now when you do switch over to paid, you know probably better what the right kind of keywords or the right kind of messaging that would really hit emotion or get them to convert. Probably, right? Exactly. And you know, I, I love having these conversations and I find them very valuable and try to add as much, be as helpful as possible. So it's just a mutual benefit and I'm not just mm. trying to drain them of information. But yeah, mm. you, you totally would lose that opportunity if it were just running paid campaigns on whether it's Google search or Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Mm. Totally makes sense. I want to start wrapping up and I love asking this question on this podcast and also my other podcast. If you had one or two pieces of advice for, for founders... Uh, in product-led businesses about marketing or maybe marketers in early stage startups, what would uh, those two pieces of advice be? Yeah, so I I guess I kind of alluded to it earlier, but Mm. I just wish that I had an audience to launch to or that I had been more proactive about building an audience. And I think, you know, you're doing an amazing job at this and others have as well. It would just be a lot easier and can kind of launch with momentum if there's a a group of people. And it could even just be followers on Twitter. I haven't been that active on social media and I kind of regret that in a sense. So I'm trying to make up time and put out more content and value. So I'd say consciously building an audience and an email list from the start would be great. And then two, kind of tangential to that is joining relevant groups. So Mm. that's just marketing 101. So who is the target audience and what are they looking for? Where do they hang out and who do they listen to? And the groups or the Slack channel where you can find like-minded people almost as an emotion for you going through the journey, but then also so you can target your ideal customer profile. And mm. uh, so that, that's been good. I found a lot of value in the groups and I'm not there like, Hey, like I'm doing this in, you know, spamming the group, (laughs) you'll probably get banned pretty quickly. And nobody likes that (laughs) anyway, but just engaging in there. And, and so I've learned a lot and tried to contribute. So I'd recommend finding, you know, maybe like three groups. So, and becoming a part of that community an active member, uh, which I really didn't do before. And again, lost time there. Mm. I'm curious what those three groups you're you're part of. Maybe I can uh, other people might want to join in. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, so one, I guess we're both in the product like growth, mm. right? With West Bush has started, and so that's a lot of product people. I think, like I would say, SaaS mainly B two B SaaS. Another one that that I've joined recently is Trends.co. I think that's really mm. good. That's from the people from the Hustle. Sam Parr. And so there's an e-commerce group and a SaaS specific group and there's trends. And I think like, I really find it interesting. A lot of entrepreneurial people who are trying to identify what is actually going on today. (laughs) There's never been a time where so much is changing so fast as, you know, right now, end of July in 2020, middle of a pandemic. Uh, Another one that I find valuable is Dave Gerhardt's group. Mm. 
he's at Patreon group, CMO of Privy, but that's a Facebook group. And then the content that he puts out specific to the group. And that's more general marketing, digital marketing, a little bit of like copy and brand building, but that's a really good one. And that's $10 a month. So uh, Mm -hmm. those are three that I think are really good. But if you just do a quick Google search or ask around the ones that are relevant to your niche and maybe that your target customer will surface pretty quickly. That totally makes sense. Oh, I'm going to join those groups for sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think you totally should. It's right up your alley. And just one final question. Where can people find out more about you? Now, this is your call to action. Do you want them to check out Prehook or Retainable or do you want them to follow you on LinkedIn or Twitter? What is your call to action to our listeners? Yeah, sure. My email is just gen, G-E-N, at prehook, P-R-E-H-O-O-K.com. And then please find me on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Gen Furukawa (laughs) that you might find, at least in Austin, Texas. So yeah, those are two ways that I would love to say hi. And let's also plug your podcast in. What is your podcast called and where can people find out about it? Yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> called Cart Overflow. Yeah. Uh, cartoverflow.com. And I'm doing it with my friend Jeremy, who is a product manager at Jungle Scout. And he was an entrepreneur and company got acquired by Jungle Scout. But uh, we're really focusing on e-commerce marketing both today and just how e-commerce brands are growing today. Mm. Curious about the name. Why Cart Overflow? I know Stack Overflow, but... <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, it was maybe inspired by that, but yeah. every e-commerce entrepreneur or marketer, their their goal is that you just have a cart overflowing with stuff. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of it. And also we're like, all right, let's just find something where the domain is available, the .com domain. Oh, you got and the .com. That start. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one small criteria. Interesting. All right, Gannon, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. That was fun.